0: Welcome to MuggleCast, your weekly ride into the Wizarding World fandom. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric.
1: I'm Micah.
2: And I'm Laura.
0: And this week, we're looking back at our first episode recorded right after we finished reading Deathly Hallows in London 15 years ago this week to experience again our initial reactions to the book. Then we're going to read your emails that we received to MuggleCast at gmail.com right after you all finished reading the book. And I was cracking up at these because we used to collect people's ages. And um, it's like 13 years old, 14 years old, 13 years old, 13 years old, 12 years old. <laughs> Everybody was so young. So it's going to be a fun episode. We got lots of clips lined up. Before we do that, though... Don't forget, we just announced this year's gifts for our lovely patrons at patreon.com slash MuggleCast. Our Patreon helps us run the show and do the show every week, but then we also give back with some very cool benefits, including yearly gifts. This year, you can join the MuggleCast Collectors Club and or receive the first and last ever MuggleCast wand, depending on your pledge level. Visit patreon.com slash mugglecast and pledge today. You have until August 7th, which is our 17th birthday, to pledge or upgrade your existing pledge to receive your gift. You must also remain pledged for at least three months to get your gift. And of course, we hope you stick around for much longer. We are so proud of these awesome gifts. The MuggleCast Collectors Club, which comes with five brand new vinyl MuggleCast inspired stickers and a backing club card to collect them all on, will be so fun to expand over the next few years. And the wand is an 11-inch handmade wooden wand by our friends at Heartwood Wands. They're also on Etsy. We came up with a few brand new spells as well, which you'll receive with your wand when it arrives. So again, patreon.com slash MuggleCast. Thank you, everybody. The feedback has been great so far, and we're really looking forward to getting all this into the hands of our amazing listeners. Okay, so you ready, everyone, to go back to the year 2007?
3: I'm already there, Andrew. I'm recording live (laughs) from the hotel room where we all uh, sat and read the book and recorded. (laughs) Nice. This is a stunning photo.
0: It really looks like Eric is in the room. It's a picture of me and Jamie in the hotel room. I'm sitting there probably editing. Jamie's on his laptop, maybe looking at all the emails. Eric's telling us what to do (laughs) and taking photos.
3: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I was always the the photographer. It's true. I feel one up, though.
0: I feel one up. I'll be honest. Yeah. Micah, what's your Zoom backdrop today?
1: So I actually was not with you all at Waterstones Piccadilly. So I'm going there now through time travel, and I am sitting in between a very excited fan and maybe McGonagall. Is that who she's dressed up as? And and Hagrid. Hagrid was actually there. Andrew, you hugged him.
0: I did hug him.
1: Is that his expression from when you hugged him? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Are you grabbing him like around the belly and he's just like... Mm.
0: Well, it was also very perfect that we had managed to time our 100th episode which was Deathly Hallows Eve, and our one hundred first episode, which is the episode we're going to dive back into today,
3: right around the release of the final book. I don't even think we planned it
0: really. It just
3: yeah, I don't think it was that difficult to do. I think it was within one or two weeks, and and seeing as how a tour was also being planned, it just kind of worked out.
0: Yeah. So this episode, episode 101, was released July 22nd, 2007, and we had gathered around a laptop to record this episode, and we were also live streaming for anyone else who had finished the book. Now, there's been debate this week amongst the panel as to when exactly we recorded this episode. We got the book at midnight. We started reading at midnight. I say in the episode... We're in London right now, in case nobody knew, and it's 5.30 in the morning. The sun is coming up. But there's no way we read it in five hours. We didn't get back reading in five hours. So it must have been the following day. And yet, Laura feels like we were recording in the afternoon.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's been well over a decade. We were so delirious that it's entirely possible my concept of time is skewed. But I will say... If we are to accept that it was not the morning after the release but the morning following that, I would accept that because it definitely took us way longer to read it than 4
3: hours. Well, we were all I just remember all reading at a different pace. We all kind of passed out at a certain point, but by the time we recorded 101, we had all finished the book and that would have taken more than 5 hours. I was the last
0: person to finish the book and I I think I still remember being stressed out like I knew I read slower than everybody else, so I was going to be the last person to finish. And thinking back, well, I mean, it was the middle of the night when I finished. I guess everybody else finished maybe a couple hours earlier, but I was just so stressed about being the last person and like everybody waiting on me to
3: finish. Well, the- Kevin, who had read it the week before due to nefarious circumstances, I think somebody just sent him a copy and he wasn't sure it was the right one until reading like the first chapter of the real book. And he was like, oh yeah, yeah. But he, I remember was reacting every time we'd get to a big moment We'd be like, oh my God, you know, whether it was Dobby dying or somebody else. And he'd just be like, what, where are you at? And this is looking to go, oh yeah, that's good. Oh,
0: oh, that's such a great scene. I remember reading it five days before you all did.
2: I know. And we were all like, shut up, dude. (laughs) Yeah, that exactly. I love Kevin, but
0: he was boasting a lot about that. Reading it early. One question I did
1: have, though, is if this wasn't the morning after, who handled MuggleNet and all the updates that were probably needed Well, the day following,
3: there was a simultaneous book release that MuggleNet was also at Emerson and Ben were in Oak Park, Illinois, for uh, their release party. And there were definitely people posting. I've been on the Wayback Machine this week and that in effort to actually discern what time we recorded. But back then, the post time of the news article was not there. But the comments on all of those posts, the 101 posts that we just finished the book post that we read the book all of that are still accessible and they are a trip. Um, But it shows me that the main page that uh, M was posting stuff, Andrew was still actively actively posting news uh, during that day. I I look back and like half of these are Andrew. I'm like, wow, dude. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, I assume like
0: it was probably nice to take a break from reading and check in on MuggleNet. Book seven release day, I remember, was MuggleNet's biggest ever traffic day. I think we got over a million visitors that day alone, which was unbelievable for a fan-run website. MuggleNet was the most popular. And I think, you know, there were some highs and lows traffic-wise, but I think it's standard day, in the months and years leading up to book seven, we'd get like a 100,000 people, which again, amazing for a fan-run website. But yeah, that that day was, I think we had a million visitors.
3: And it wasn't the Waterstones event, but JK Rowling had a live reading event that Bloomsbury was putting on that same night. And we, I think within a day, had the transcript for that too. So people, anybody looking for news on JK Rowling, what she was up to was going to the site. Anybody looking for our take was going to the site and people just in general looking for an outlet. We're all going to that site that day.
1: One thing I wanted to bring up before you started playing all these clips that I was thinking about this morning is this was around a book release, the finale of a book release. And you think about the excitement, the intensity, everything that was going on, the fact that you all went to London for this release. There were release parties all throughout the United States and throughout the world. I know we've struggled to, you know, talk about the author from time to time. But you think about what she did during that time, she really made reading fun again. And I would say to some extent, she normalized nerd culture a bit.
0: I actually completely agree with that because we had all well, I had just graduated high school the month prior. And it was not cool to talk about Harry Potter or computers or smartphones at the time. But Harry Potter, I think, was the first piece of pop culture that helped usher in this era of books being cool, fantasy worlds being cool, at least for our generation.
3: Yeah, I agree. Uh, There's definitely been an overall trend and something as very popular as Harry was to be fantasy that was popular and the Lord of the Rings movies coming out at the same time really just showed that there was an audience that it could be commercially successful too, which it attracted all the businesses. And then there just wasn't the stigma anymore of like, oh, you nerd, why don't you go focus on sports?
2: To really put some emphasis on this, I wanna ask y'all at the time of the book seven release, whether you were at London or you went to a different release party, did you tell your friends? what you were doing, because I definitely only told like my closest friends what I was right. doing. Huh. I remember being eight; t- I had just graduated high school just like Andrew, and I remember it feeling distinctly uncool at the time to like boast to other people my age that I was going to London for a Harry Potter <laughs> release party.
0: I was trying to keep MuggleCast a secret in high school, and I got away with it for the first year or two. And then uh, I got exposed by my TV tech teacher, and I, I felt like I was my sexuality was outed because, like <laughs> I was I was really trying to keep it private because I didn't want to people want people to know. I was embarrassed at the time, so yes, a very few people knew, but but those who did thought it was really cool. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of people listening to us online, and we were part of
3: this fan site. My recollection about telling people was I had to tell my work in New Zealand because I worked at a Borders. I worked at a Borders Books and I had to get off. And those two days surrounding Book Seven's release were mandatory for all staff because they were just anticipating balls to the wall customers. And I kind of a few, once it was settled that I was going to be able to attend the Waterstones event with you guys, I had to talk to my boss and I had to be like, okay, so I do this harry potter podcast and we have this opportunity anyway um they allowed me they gave me the exception which was nuts but the way that they said it was we see that this is clearly a once in a lifetime professional opportunity for you and it's like i hadn't yet contextualized it in terms of this is a big deal for like a podcast potential future occupation future thing and they kind of viewed it as like just like a completely worthwhile sort of personal development thing. It was very nice to be guided and to be understood in that way. But I just yeah. thought this was the coolest thing to to be able to do.
0: You know, speaking of that, Eric, I had done a lot of traveling in my final year of high school for MuggleNet. And that was the year leading up to the release of Book 7. And the movies were coming out. And I was very involved with MuggleNet at the time. So I, I had to miss a lot of school days. And I ended up needing to exceed the number of missed days that were allowed. Uh And God bless my high school principal. He approved me taking additional days off because he understood what I was doing was a very special experience. And I will always be extremely grateful for that. That was so nice of him. And really like forward thinking, it really... Almost makes me emotional when I think about like him just believing in me, even though we didn't we weren't that close or anything, but he understood what I was doing was very special, and so he wanted to allow me to have these once in a lifetime opportunities, so
1: yeah, I obviously wasn't with you all and and we can talk about where I was and what I was doing a little bit later. But I think that for me, it's very interesting now in particular to share the podcast. I know that like every once in a while, I'll hit you all up on Slack and talk about how a coworker will think that it's so cool that this podcast exists and that it's been around for 17 years. And I don't think that's something that I would have shared 10 years ago with with colleagues. But I think what you start to realize is that the colleagues that are around your age also grew up with Harry Potter and also mm-hmm. grew up reading the series and going to watch the films. And they may have a secret passion for it deep down inside too, because it was probably a huge part of their childhood. Yeah. So I, I always find that really, really cool uh, when I'm having one of those conversations. And then, you know, we pick up a new listener or two every once in a while. <laughs>
0: yeah. MuggleCast has been very popular, of course, but MuggleNet, it's very hard to find an OG Harry Potter fan who doesn't know of MuggleNet. Mm-hmm. If you talk to somebody who was really involved in the books back in the day, really hyped up on the books, and you mentioned MuggleNet, they're like, oh, yeah, I visited that site. And you'll run into these people in the strangest places. Like I saw in my Facebook memories a few um, days ago, I recounted a story on Facebook of um, being at a bar and I was talking to a friend about MuggleNet and then the bartender was like, MuggleNet, I used to go to that site. (laughs) (laughs) Did you get any free booze? (laughs) I don't have that in my post, but you would think that would be grounds for a free drink. Yeah,
2: right. It was always so odd having experiences like that. Um y'all well remember that I worked at Target when I was in high school. And I think one of the weirdest experiences for me was when the Target that I worked at started carrying what will happen muggle net's ultimate guide to what's going to happen in book 7, which I was a contributor to. And <laughs> there was there was a, a a gentleman who was like he kind of had a reputation for being kind of annoying with younger employees, not in an inappropriate way. It was just like clear he wanted to bond with us, but he he laid it on a little thick. And there was one time he came up to me and he was like, hey, Laura, did you see that there's a predictions book uh, from MuggleNet that we're selling? And I was just like, oh yeah, I think I've heard of that. Oh, <laughs> and just stared blankly into the void.
0: You should have been like, do you want me to sign a copy for you? Because I
3: wrote oh, it.
2: No, I would have died if at the <laughs> time. At the time, if word had gotten out, I would have died. Oh, man. Now I don't care.
0: So let's turn back to episode 101. Around a 1, thousand people listened to us record this episode live. Jamie was fielding questions via email. We said at the top of the episode, feel free to email Jamie at staff@mugglenet.com." And we'll try to read your uh, question or comment on air. And he was getting tons of emails. This was, of course, before social media. We couldn't say, hey, everybody, just tweet us. How
1: old does that make us feel that we predated social media?
0: (laughs) Chloe? So social media was around. It just wasn't as pervasive as it is today. And like, you know. Yeah. Twitter and Facebook were around.
3: 2007, Twitter wasn't that big, was it?
0: But that's my point. They just hadn't really blown up yet.
3: You know, we were using Ustream, I think we say. You know, it's, it's really interesting to look at, like, what the hardware and what the software was at the time.
0: And apparently Ustream didn't have a chat feature, a chat room feature, because we were telling people to email us. And you wonder right. why now I go to Ustream and it doesn't exist.
2: I don't recall it being the best platform. Like, I think I recall us having some video issues at one point. But it, yeah,
0: yeah. But it was free, I think. Yeah. And it was easy to use. Yeah. But yes, it was lacking.
3: It did support, for better or for worse, it did support about a thousand people that day uh, yeah. watching us. Um, and that's that's the craziest thing. So episode 101, here's a disclaimer, still available on the MuggleCast feed. In fact, Andrew made Pains recently to get all of our legacy episodes, all of our episodes onto the same MuggleCast feed that you're listening to now. Uh, you can still listen to 101. And yeah, when I re-listened before recording uh, this week, it's nuts how in the first 10 minutes, actually, Jamie is counting. Every couple of minutes, I'll say, oh, now there's 139 people. And now there's 400 <laughs> people. And all of a sudden, it gets like 1,017 people. I'm just like, oh my God. You know, but everybody had, yeah. whatever day it was that we recorded again, contentious, I think it was the next morning, everybody else had finished globally. So it wasn't just all of us in the hotel room that were reading together. It was the world. Mm -hmm. And so people were looking for answers and that's the coolest thing is when people did email in, they were emailing questions with the full knowledge of what happened in the book and we had the full knowledge and we were asking those questions too. And so we tried to answer them.
1: Andrew, did you digitally remaster the episode?
3: No, it is not no. digitally remastered and Dolby
0: Atmos surround sound 5.1. You could now,
3: because <laughs> we kept on getting on Laura for being too far away from the uh, laptop. So you could normalize <laughs> it now where it would be all the same volume pretty easily.
0: Yeah.
1: Most importantly, did you have any housekeeping issues?
0: No, nobody was knocking on the door because it was five in the morning we were recording this. So we started by making some comparisons to Lord of the Rings. And this was hard to listen to for me because 2022 Andrew would say this is not the way to start an episode about the final book in the Harry Potter series right (laughs) after reading it. But Eric, you actually have a really good observation about this
3: yeah so Jamie was going off so I we were talking about King's Cross uh, and sort of the afterlife scene and Jamie made this comparison to I actually tried to find out what it was because I still have not read Lord of the Rings and I'm kind of embarrassed about that but is there like a blinding light or when Frodo first wakes up after Mordor uh, and things are explained to him because I know eventually he gets the boat to like the Elysian fields or something right yeah so it's kind of like an afterlife journey I think for us and we did just talk about this, In 2007, when the Lord of the Rings films were right on our mind, this was pre Hunger Games. This was pre, almost pre Twilight. Um, You know, there were not other, no divergent, there were no other young adult sci fi fantasy things that were in our sphere so much as Lord of the Rings. So, although it may seem very dated and we're like, what the hell are we talking about Lord of the Rings for? I think culturally that was just, you know, being teenagers and having seen those movies, I think that was very much on our mind.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. So let's move on to a clip now. And this one we kind of touched on last week. So this is our reaction to No Department of Mysteries and the misleading cover. So this is from episode 101. But, like, Laura, you brought up that none of the Department of Mysteries stuff oh. was explained. Yeah, there's yes.
4: a lot of stuff that just didn't get in there.
5: Well, I mean, I was somewhat disappointed that we really didn't find out much about the Department of Mysteries at all because that was supposed to be. Well, it's sort like of the,
4: the veil. Thing. We were
6: counting on the veil yeah. to really. And the, the room. Design. Everyone was wondering room, about that room. room. And it what turned out
5: to be the Great Hall. What room? Oh, on the US cover. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. It was the, Okay, um, that the Great the, Hall? That's not, I, yeah. Am I the only one, though, that I feel like. The U.S. cover is slightly misleading.
7: Yeah. Oh, yes. It, yes. Oh, yes. incredibly. Made, like, Completely. Well,
4: we speculated for so long yeah. that they were using wandless magic and pulling yes. things from the sky. Yes. You it know. couldn't
5: have been more misleading. Where was that? Well, <laughs> well, there it was the point when the wand flew up in the air and they were both reaching for it. I, I thought
0: that. I had thought uh, it was it might have oh. been the scene when Harry first ran into Dumbledore, and then Voldemort was going to show up and break up their little discussion. And somehow that was going to... I don't know what I'm talking like about here. that area. Because it didn't make sense otherwise. You
5: see, I figured that that, that that, like you said, I think we're kind of on the same wavelength here, that um, that whole scene on the front cover was actually going to take place whenever Harry and Dumbledore were speaking. Right, 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 yeah. right exactly. So, that, it just... What are we talking it, about? I think the US cover's very
0: misleading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's we, a nice cover, though. We base so much speculation off of yeah. that cover.
3: It does look like they're doing wandless magic, right? It does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody's holding a wand.
0: By the way, you can still hear the hum of the laptop fan as it's desperately trying to <laughs> keep up yeah. with recording Straining and live streaming. Yeah. Oh my God. Like these days, that's easily removable. But back then, I guess it wasn't so easily removable.
2: That laptop was hanging on for dear life.
3: We need post-production. <laughs> Somebody get Somebody remaster that episode.
1: The funny thing about that conversation too is I think on a pretty recent episode, we talked about those curtains. We talked about... Mary grand prix and if folks want to go back and give a listen to another older episode of muggle cast episode 172 we actually talked to her about the cover of deathly hallows as well as many other things but uh we do dig in deep as to what exactly she was trying to do there clearly she confused all of us
2: yeah you confronted her
0: So it took only nine minutes for Kevin to brag that he had read the book early, but we already discussed that.
2: <laughs> However, I will say something that I
0: had forgotten about. And I think you two kind of allude to this too, Laura and Eric. I think all of us had read the epilogue in advance of
3: the book. We each say that, but like, yeah. I don't, I don't yes. think, I don't think we sat, we never sat down and we're like, let's all read the epilogue in advance. But I think through various means in one-on-one, we're each like, yeah, that, that epilogue we read, or that scene was—I don't know. Yeah, maybe on. it I, was leaked. It might come <sighs> up in a clip later. Yeah, maybe
0: I—I I feel like it was leaked. Of course, Kevin had the whole book, so maybe we were like, "Oh, screw it, let's just all read the epilogue. But that—that's a big spoiler. So why would we yeah, do that? I
2: can't—I can't see us wanting to do that. I also have no recollection of reading the epilogue before the book came out.
3: Me neither. It was that good.
2: Or not.
3: <laughs> there was a danger. If you had, if you, we talked a moment ago about how MuggleNet, how popular MuggleNet was, how many people visited per you know day or per month. Well, having a MuggleNet email address, no matter who you were, no matter what section you worked on, always kind of led you a little, a little vulnerable, made you a little bit vulnerable to spoilers, especially before a book release. Cause I remember, I think it was Kevin and Ben got spoiled on Half Blood Prince. When that came out, I remember talking to Ben the day of book six release and he had already read it. Uh, because somebody sent him the full text of the Harry Potter book to just Ben at staff or whatever the email address was at the time. That was a concern. And I think that's how Kevin got book seven too. And there, you know, there was no way to verify the authenticity, but yeah. still, if you read it and then you're spoiled. So I maybe that's what happened. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There was definitely a manuscript that was sent to either the main MuggleNet inbox, or as you're saying, Eric, to those staff accounts several days ahead of the book release. Because I remember Kevin messaging me and giving me spoilers, which of course ended up being true. I didn't know whether to believe him or not. I think he spoiled me on Hedwig and on Mad-Eye. And then I just didn't want to hear any more after that, Uh, just just in case. I didn't know whether he was telling the truth or not, but Clearly, it was a legitimate leak that he had read.
2: Also, did he, like, ask your permission before he spoiled you? Because this sounds really screwed up.
3: It's like, well, don't need to go to London now. (laughs) Uh Text Kevin. Text Kevin. That's what it was. He wanted to make you feel better about not going to London.
7: All right. So clip two. Speaking of therapy and emotions, Laura. Quick question now from... uh... Kayla, who wonders if any of us cried while reading the book. Oh, great question. And she says that she bawled like a baby when Fred died. Anyone else?
5: I didn't bawl, but um, a couple of tears did did trickle down my face. It's
0: funny because
2: uh, (laughs) there
0: are several moments this evening where Laura just it out, what the is going on? And I just had to die laughing because I've been getting delirious. We haven't slept in so long. We've just been reading all day today. Seriously, that's all we've been doing today. Reading, sleeping, and eating.
5: See, and, here, basically, here's my thing. I've been a longtime supporter of the Harry is going to live thing, and whenever we thought Harry was going to die, I got very upset and I started crying and I cried through the entire chapter. And Andrew sat there and laughed at me because the whole it was so
0: time. funny seeing you over not not react react like this. It was, it was just hilarious. Like your voice was like,
2: "What is I'm evil? Wow,
0: I am evil. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Laura. I am it's evil." Real bad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, no, I love it. I love it. And I think I think I was underselling my crying because it definitely was not just a couple of tears.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's probably why I had these reactions that you're hearing me describe. On yeah.
2: This show. You're like, no, you cried <laughs> like a baby. <laughs> it was the end
1: of your childhood, Laura. Yeah. I, that's something Jamie must have said at some point. That's such a Jamie line to say, by the way.
2: Uh-huh. I think, well,
3: Jamie totally cops to crying himself. And I have this the vi- video I have, the image I have as the background right now shows him. This is a photo of Jamie yes. seconds from tears. He was, it's all over. That guys. may have been
0: after the tears. And he oh. tried, because if you move your head, you see we're posing with a, a fan. Look at his face. So they probably wanted to take a picture after he had already been crying. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. He looks but- not happy to be in that picture. <laughs> He <laughs> was so emotional. He didn't get it's a hug wise. from
1: Hagrid
0: either, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Hagrid's like, why are you crying? Well, speaking of the emotions, here's a related moment from episode 101.
4: Every time a character bit the dust in the movie, I or in the book, actually, I, I was just, I, I didn't know what to feel. I, I didn't cry I said, you know, necessarily, but there were some tear jerkers. I thought. Like, I didn't feel where, much emotion either. Like, Not like that. That, that. Andrew,
7: that Andrew is because we're hard, hard, hard people. Well, like, we really we're hard waste. people to
4: break. Like, Podcasting has <laughs>
7: strangled yeah,
4: us. Um, I think there was so much death.
6: Yeah, that you it was sort like, of removed
7: yeah. yourself. From one Although it's I have nice. to say, last night at the release, mm, uh, emotion got the better of me, and I was bawling for quite a yeah. while. Yeah. At the release, yeah. I Jamie grew. and I, I both
5: cried. Yeah, yeah. It was
0: building up for Jamie. It sort of like a slow, like I can't believe this is happening. I can't
6: believe this. I can't believe that. It was like
5: I can't believe this. It was the same for me because I got it in my hands, and I got a little teary. But I was doing okay, and then I walk out and I see Jamie bawling, and I completely lost it. I was—I was going <laughs> yeah, like, okay. I was, I I was to take it. All
7: it. All Could not take it at all.
2: <laughs> Could not take it. <laughs> he literally came up to me at one point because there was an after party. At the release party, right? We right. all got to go to, and he, and
0: there was some sh- champagne, I think.
2: Yeah. And one second I saw him and he was fine. And the next thing I knew, he came up to me and he's bawling and he's like, This has been our lives, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Whoa. And then I started crying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I didn't cry. I, Jamie said I was a hardened man. Maybe
3: I, okay, I guess that's why even though I'm not. For me, Jamie was the benchmark. He I saw him breaking down and I was like I should be upset. I should be this sad about Harry <laughs> Potter ending. And I remember there were like TV cameras there. So a lot of international news outlets were covering specifically the Waterstones release because of being London and Harry Potter. And I remember in the back of waterstones like trying to be interviewed and i kind of remember forcing myself to get teary-eyed so that i could go and do a short interview about the end of harry potter and try and mimic basically jamie's real emotions
0: (laughs) yeah i i think for me it was just kind of hard to process we were doing so much this summer so much and i think it's one of those things where like the emotions don't really hit you until it's all over
1: and if it's at all helpful, Jamie did say at the release last night. So I don't know if that provides any context to when you guys were recording.
3: I think maybe middle of the day. No, day. no. Well,
0: I, look, I, I said the sun's coming up. I wasn't making it up. That's so
3: I know you weren't,
0: but. <laughs> I th- we were just all delirious from being up for like 18 hours at that point. What is the previous day when you've been up the whole day? You know, you
1: know what this is? This is Muggle Cast's lost day.
3: The missing 24 hours. We somehow managed to finish the entire book seven, and according to the recent clip we played, eat and sleep all day. Write the fan fiction. Prior to recording the episode. All right.
0: Here's uh, another clip concerning Snape's flashback scenes.
7: Can I talk about one thing? I just want to talk about Snape very briefly, because I unfortunately got spoiled, and I read the epilogue, Mm a part of the epilogue, which said that, Snape was the bravest person that Harry had ever known. And I, I was expecting a lot more backstory on why he was why he was the bravest person he ever known. So the flashback was very interesting, and it went part of the way to explaining it, but I was expecting a bit more. I, I think it explained enough,
6: and I think mm-hmm. I said to you, Jamie, how much that epilogue really spoiled for you because now that you've read it, Completely. you realize mm-hmm. that Snape you didn't know about Snape until the very last chapters. You didn't know, and I, I so, mean. W-
5: I think everybody had a gut feeling that Snape was going to turn out to be good, but I had no idea all the backstory we were oh going to get God, on yeah. him. I mean, and, and
6: you, you know what was sickening, realizing that he was looking in Harry's eyes because they looked like lilies.
5: Lilies, yeah.
6: It, it, it was just gut-wrenching. It was, you're, you're just sitting It was there. awful. It was and really intense.
5: It really spoke volumes to me whenever you know, Snape was sort of talking about all the people he didn't want to know about his betrayal. Yeah.
0: That was a very, very big moment from the book. All right, so in this next clip, we are revisiting the epilogue and the character names. Now, I had kind of forgotten about this. A
7: lot of people did not love the names in the epilogue. There are also a couple of emails, quite a few, asking what has happened with Joe's naming of characters in the epilogue. <laughs> Some uh, people aren't happy with it well, I'm called. not happy either. I have <laughs> to
0: say that the, the epilogue was one of the things that got spoiled for me. And uh, I, the names were so obscure, I couldn't believe it.
4: <laughs> well, no, they, they, yeah, well, oh. no,
0: Hugo was obscure, but everybody
4: else was named after their parents, which seems a little. Albus Severus, know, here, Lily a... James, Albus yeah. Severus. Let's face
7: it: though, when you spend that much time and you've met all these heroes and nice people, you'd be very, very, you'd be very, very um, grateful. It's a grateful. tribute. It it is, tribute. Is oh, especially tribute.
4: you know the Albus uh, with the middle name <laughs> Severus, and, and you know Harry explained that's that they're named after like. The, you know, two great headmasters. One of them is the, the most, you know, uh, lo- um, what do you say, courageous, the bra- yeah, yeah, the bravest, bravest man I know. You know, that was all interesting that they named each other after, you know, their parents. But it was still a little bit confusing, the names and the way she gradually introduced who was whose brother and stuff. And who was, uh, you know, for instance, um, I like Draco at the end. I like seeing Draco. I was I was upset that Draco wasn't more involved I with agree. Ron.
0: We were all, like, offended by these names in the epilogue. (laughs) It's grown on me. They've all grown on us now, right? Or are we all still? Is anybody here still? No, I think
1: the the issue is that she doubled down, meaning that she, she probably could have gotten away with it with just the first name. But the fact that each character has a first and a middle name that we're all familiar with, I think. I don't know. Like, where's the justice for Dobby? Like, who couldn't name their kid after Dobby or after Hedwig?
0: Albus like, Severus, Dobby, <laughs> Hedwig Potter.
1: Dobby Potter. <laughs> Hedwig Weasley.
0: I like those better.
2: I think it's also pretty clear when you read the epilogue compared to the rest of the book that the epilogue was written at a very different time. I think we were speculating that she had written the epilogue years earlier towards the beginning of her writing the series
3: she might have said as much
2: yeah, yeah. and that not much changed
3: just the word scar <laughs> <laughs> right, right. she revisited the epilogue to do one thing make it so that it didn't end in scar <laughs> yet harry and Ginny's children are james sirius potter alba severus potter and lily luna potter Like it's confusing. Like if you, the only way that those names work is if you know the kids, if this is real life and you've grown up and the the baby has grown and you've watched it and you're like, okay, that's my little Lily Luna. On paper, it's just like Lily Luna, James Sirius, Albus Severus, who, what, what the hell are we talking about here?
2: What about Rubius, man? Like yeah, Hagrid was your true father figure
0: (laughs) through this series. Okay, here's another clip. Speaking of Dobby, This is us reacting to Dobby dying. And I actually, we'll talk more about character deaths because one common theme in this episode 101 was everybody being shocked by how many people died.
7: Here's an email from Sammy who says, how do the authors of the MuggleNet book feel about their hundred to one odds against Dobby's death? Uh, We'll get back to you on that one, Sammy.
5: (laughs) I, I got a little sad and I think I was actually sitting over here on the floor and I sort of like, I was like, no! She was rocking back and yeah. forth,
0: I think. I think that was one of the saddest deaths. Yeah, deaths, it was cause
4: so
6: sad Especially the way it happened. Yeah. Because yeah. he was so close to uh And there's so little words. To Harry took his little body. Yeah. And, like, yeah. The yeah. little words. And, like, and, oh, what did you think
4: about hi- him digging his grave? Well, had, oh, with, with oh, a spade. With a little, little team. Not even like a, you know, proper shovel with a little and then spade. I think Griphook
0: called him out on that. I was yeah. like, Yeah, what? Griphook's like, you're in strange an, an
4: odd dude. wizard
6: yeah you're, you're an odd okay wizard. his
0: respects he's a good wizard the odds in that book there was also like thousand one odds on hedwig dying i think or something <laughs> like that really funny in hindsight okay so here's an interesting clip about dumbledore and his return we had some very interesting thoughts i have something in this clip that i want to take back one of the things that surprised me was the portrait of
4: Dumbledore uh, being able to continue to convey instructions and formulate plans uh, to tell Snape how to react all year to Harry and, and to give him the sword and stuff. You guys know that? I mean, the whole portrait thing, we, we speculated whether they were just personalities or reflections but or something.
0: That was full information that was yeah, going
6: on. Yeah, well, that, that was Dumbledore.
0: But see, but see yeah.
4: that's why I, I think I said
6: during the Waterstone thing that I think that the person may have a choice what they can put in their portrait. Yeah, it was a nice choice of information. Yeah. And per-
0: Yeah. The the whole Dumbledore scene though where Harry is or Dumbledore is explaining everything to Harry really got me because Joe really put emphasis on the fact that Dumbledore was dead at that charity reading back in August. Yeah. Whereas with Sirius, it wasn't like, yes, Sirius is dead, that's it. She said that about Dumbledore. Yeah, Dumbledore comes back and does this whole scene explaining and every little thing. Serious. So it, it was kind of Backwards
4: and but Harry, me. the
5: thing, though: Do you guys really think that was Dumbledore, or do you think it was in Harry's head? No,
4: it, it had to be Dumbledore, I think, because yeah. even though it was in Harry's was, head, yeah. there was stuff that Harry could not have known. Harry actually yeah. seeked, got answers that, that you know, mm. even in the back of his mind, it, you know, maybe his mind fabricated it, which is you know, you can take that to be one thing if you want. But see,
5: I wonder if I get I guess I wonder if Harry had become versed enough to sort of gain the answers on his to own to answer his own questions. Yeah. But,
0: I'll have to read it all again, but that was very, very, very descriptive, and it
7: got so dude, it started making my mind go numb. It was awesome, though. I I love the whole Dumbledore storyline, because um, it just shows that he's human. The entire thing, you know, people aren't perfect, and anyone who thought he was perfect throughout all the books was living a fairy tale, because everyone has skeletons in their closet. Dumbledore's the Mm -hmm. same. And people who hate him more now, I just, I don't understand that, because I think I like him even more. Dumbledore's
5: story was so heartbreaking.
0: This was interesting because I had said earlier in the episode that maybe J.K. Rowling regretted killing him in Half-Blood Prince because he was so present in Deathly Hallows and sharing so much. I don't stand by that now. Obviously, it was all well planned and thought out. It was like, oops, I shouldn't have killed Dumbledore in the last book. So I regret saying that.
3: But it's okay. You know, that was 15 years ago. We can change our opinions. I know I got uh, at (laughs) least two opinions coming up that I stated in 101 that I do not stand by anymore. (laughs) But here's the thing. So we talked about, uh, obviously in 101, when we're just coming off the book, we do talk about the topic of death. And we did get asked that a lot about certain character deaths. And Dobby, you just heard from us. But one of the questions that we get to because I think when we're starting off the episode, we start to say that deaths feel unnecessary. Somebody asked us a direct question. Why did you say unnecessary for deaths? And I'm wondering, and we we talk about it in the show, but I don't think we ever like quite harp on it. 15 years later, and Micah, please give us your opinions too. What do we, do we think that the deaths that happen in book seven are, would we use the the word unnecessary for at least some of them?
1: For me, I, <sighs> I wouldn't say unnecessary. I mean, it's it. there's essentially a war going on. And that said, we spent a lot of time on the last episode talking about characters we didn't feel were done justice in their deaths in the book. But my thing of it is there wasn't a big balance between the good and the bad, at least from my perspective, right? Because at the end of the day, if you're looking at the bad side, you're looking at the Death Eaters. You're looking at those that follow Voldemort. It was really Bellatrix, Voldemort, and I think pious Thickness, but it's Voldemort who ultimately kills him. So does that even really count? I, I just My feel friendly like there's,
3: fire.
1: yeah. And I, I get it. We don't know all the Death Eaters. We don't spend a lot of time with them. It just, it just really felt though that there was this strong imbalance of character deaths on the side of those who we knew versus the side of Voldemort, and maybe that's part of what the issue was for some listeners i don't know
0: i think it was just so shocking to see so many people die in a single book especially when we were all much younger at the time too we don't really read many books like that where there's all this death
3: on the side of the good characters yeah i mean we'll think about the previous three harry potter books book four person who dies is cedric and you know Maybe Bertha Jorkins. Book five is serious. Book six is Dumbledore. And they're big characters, but there's just one of them. Don't forget about Frank.
0: And th- we bring that up in 101 too. Like each of those books has one death, and it sucks and it's sad, but that's it. And then you go from one per book, one significant death per book, to dozens. Yeah. And it's just shocking. I don't think I think that's the only word for it. Agreed. We also spoke about the book being adapted into a movie. And <laughs> this is funny in hindsight because this is when we were all so young and innocent, and when WB had not yet announced that the single book would be split into two movies. The whole time I've been reading this book, I've been thinking about the movie. What are they gonna yes. cut where they can keep it? Could it be rated ra- rated R? It would have to be. No, no, no. It would I mean, no, 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 no. have to be PG. It PG. would have to be if uh, they filed the book exactly. But the, it could
4: be PG, right? I mean, don't move. No, ratings. it can't be PG. Don't movie ratings oh, well, go into right.
7: showing rather than content. Like, you could have was a million that, deaths. Well, like, in a movie, if someone said, uh, a million people die, that would be It, it depends universal. on the language. It depends on yeah.
5: how the deaths are, too. I mean... Okay. The you romance
0: mean, scenes yeah, didn't get too dirty, so you, that's gonna You look know. at how
5: graphic the scene <laughs> so was where the snake erupted out of Bithilda.
0: Very,
6: yeah. And...
5: That's I'm really wondering, I'm wondering how they're going to do that in yeah, the film. Yeah,
6: but I think they could could do that without having. Yeah, a, but a, see, I want
5: sense. them to do it right because yeah. it's just so horrific that I feel like they're yes, going kind to of have to do it. Joe just really as presented
4: it with something really like strange and 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 difficult to do. And like I'm just imagining the giants walking across the school grounds towards the castle. You, you know, while while Ron and Harry and Hermione and all the students are on the grounds and Voldemort's there, and uh, like I'm imagining that, but with so much else that happened in the book, I think what's going to happen is they're going to sum up the weeks that they were camping. Because Harry, Ron, and Hermione in the beginning of the book were just, you know, they were going aimlessly, not even to Godric's Hollow, just kind of camping out and chilling, uh, trying to avoid detection, until Christmas at least. And and then until, it was like March before they really did anything, and then they only made it to Hogwarts in May, or or May or June, like at the end of the, at the very end of the book. I I thought that was a little strange.
0: Yeah, so... I think they announced maybe a year or two later that it would be split into two movies, and that was a huge deal at the time. And then, of course, it set off other book-to-film <laughs> franchises trying to split their yeah. final books into two with mixed results. I think
3: it's fair mm-hmm. to say only
0: Deadly Hallows has done it well so far.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, good to identify the camping as being something that could be purged, because I still think that they probably would have gone that route had they not split the... Uh the movies i'm glad they did oh yeah it turns out there was enough content in there for what i think is one of the best movies actually is movie seven Mm. um because they're able to focus on character during that that time when they're all camping but uh in the book it's a slog
2: yeah i will say it still bothers me to this day that part two of deathly hallows does not resolve the hallows versus horcruxes Mm distinction that gets made in the books and they spend so much time in part one explaining what the hallows are. So I was thinking yeah, we're going to get that payoff in part two. Nope, Harry's just going to break the Elder Wand and we're going to go on with our lives.
0: (laughs) Throw it over a bridge and that'll be the end of that. (laughs) Okay, one more clip we want to play and this concerns Ron speaking Parseltongue and this, to this day, it still gets us, I think.
5: A couple of people have been asking
7: they didn't like it when Ron... Um, spoke past at the time because you
5: can't learn Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, weird. That was weird. I didn't like yeah, that at all. Slightly
4: messed up. I liked that they were getting the chamber again because I thought that was going to happen. I was like, okay, dude, the chamber always exists in the book, you know, in the, in the books. It's always there what's happening in the chamber. And that's been like a really big source of speculation, like, will we go back or whatever? Will we see it? And Hermione and Ron went back I don't know that I have a problem with him, like, hissing or whatever, like, especially if he could make it, like, really accurate, necessarily. Yeah, I, I think it, it was okay, just it, because you can imitate
6: a language. You can't it's imitate It's very, a very difficult. You can't. I guess
5: it just seemed somewhat awkward to me, because it seemed like Parseltongue was such a rare thing, you know, not that many people could do it, and Harry could only do it because he'd had the power transferred into him. So it just seemed odd that Ron could just mimic it, but then she did sort of lead up to it because through the book, Ron mimicked everything. He mimicked Wormtail's voice at one point, didn't he? Yeah. And yeah. it seems like she was kind of leading up to that. To Wormtail, mimic Wormtail, sense. guys, yeah. what do you
4: think about Wormtail? That was really oh, well I done. I just email
0: about that. I like that. Why did you think it was well done? Because some people were calling it out, saying they were disappointed in the way okay, Wormtail well, repaid them. I guess it was still it was still crucial, but yeah.
4: Well, if you're in such a situation where you're stuck in some kind of weirdo prison underneath the Malfoy Manor and it's <laughs> it's impenetrable and it seemed like a like a crawl space, like a really weird scene, I, I just thought like if you're gonna uh, have to escape from that, like what a better way to get Wormtail to repay his debt because yeah. Wormtail's kind of uh, you know he's not he's not really a very authoritative Death Eater like Bellatrix and Lucius. So I thought the death was, was an opportunity, and it, and it was well as Dumbledore had predicted.
3: So Eric, you want to mend some comments here, I think? <laughs> as time has gone on, the Pettigrew thing, although Dumbledore has that gleam of triumph or whatever, and he knows that a life debt will have to be paid, I think there's probably a more creative way to do that in the writing, other than having Harry go, Hey, Wormtail, you owe me a life debt. And Wormtail pausing and then his arm killing him. <laughs> it's time to cash in. <laughs> it's, yeah, like chips.
5: <laughs> Almost yeah. like
3: I see him reduced to coins, like in what's uh, um, the uh, Scott Pilgrim kind of a thing. Mm. Uh, anyway, yeah, I, I want to say that I, I now believe the pedigree scene to not have been that cool, as well as Ron speaking parcel tongue.
0: It feels like a cheat. It's a
3: shortcut. Even in the movie was. where they're like, Harry mutters in his sleep. Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Thanks for, thanks for noticing you tried, but it still to me should not have happened.
1: Also, wouldn't you have closed off the entrance to the chamber of secrets by, by this point?
0: Security nightmare, security nightmare, yeah. security nightmare. Uh, I am. Yeah.
1: Well, we can also add Pettigrew uh, to the list of baddies who get killed in Deathly Hallows. So I guess that brings the count up to four. I'm sure there's more that I'm forgetting. (laughs) But what would have been the alternative for Pettigrew then? Because clearly he had to do something to save Harry. Would he have then just jumped in front of a spell?
3: Yeah. Well, what I I use the word authoritative. What I mean is agency. Pettigrew lacks a lot of like decisiveness and things. So it's just as well that the decision to repay the life debt isn't actually Pettigrew's. Uh, it's his whole hesitant and his arm takes over. Right, it's really Voldemort. arm.
1: It's That's, but, you could argue Voldemort is ultimately the one who kills Pettigrew.
3: Yeah, for hesitating. But I would have liked to have seen, a, a. you know, we want our characters to have redemption. What happens to Pettigrew is not redemption. So if he had actively chosen to protect Harry for any reason at any stage along the way, that would have been more satisfying. Because I still, to this day now, don't know why Wormtail was ever in Gryffindor. He doesn't have a brave inch in his body. So it's kind of weird. Sometimes we sort too soon.
0: I've always said it. And I'll say it again. So this episode, episode 101, was only an hour long, which is kind of shocking because, again, it was our first episode after the release of the final book and the biggest book series of our lifetimes. And we only did an hour. And I blame Jamie. Like, halfway through, you could tell he's starting to rush the episode, and then once we start getting towards the end, it becomes apparent again, and I call out that Jamie wants to wrap this up, and then Jamie says, I really want to take a shower. (laughs) So... We could blame Jamie wanting to take a shower for the reason why this episode's only an hour. This easily could have been two hours. We had so many emails coming in. We, we really did. just
3: finished reading it. Hundreds of emails, thousand yeah. people viewing. It could have gone on longer. I, I can be heard in the background saying, we could go another 20 minutes, but just getting <laughs> voted down.
0: We were probably also very tired and maybe even a little hangry.
3: Well,
1: you knew that you just had... Hundreds of more episodes to discuss Deathly Hallows. You are going on tour. Yeah.
3: Keep them still. wanting more,
1: Andrew. That was what your, you know, your business mind was telling you even back then.
3: <laughs> Don't give it all <laughs> away right now. Yeah, Spread it out. Eric, you have
0: a note here that could be valid as well. We could have been nervous about generating noise
3: complaints because we were in a hotel room.
2: And do you remember how we only had one bathroom between the five of us? That was fun.
3: We don't remember that as much as you remember that, Laura.
2: Yeah, well, (laughs) yeah, trying to get into the bathroom was always a chore.
0: We had yes, we just had one hotel room. I did ask the um front desk that morning after we got a little sleep and they did confirm that Jamie was the first person to sh- take a shower in the entire hotel that morning. <laughs> a little fun fact about oh. that morning. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so we have a little game now. I guess
3: Eric, did you come up with this? Because you were yes. in the
0: Wayback Machine.
3: It's so funny. So again, I'm trying to discern what time of day uh we were recording, but I did find comments on the Episode one hundred and one post. As we are recording, uh, that I thought were would be worth reading in sort of a dramatic fashion because it's people's thoughts on book seven. We can each read two people's feedback about book seven from the day of.
0: Dark Lord Angel still in the book. I don't want to finish it. Cries.
3: Fu Yu says, "I finished the book a while back." It wasn't as good as I had hoped it would be. Too many plot holes were left out, and Remus's characterization was totally off.
1: Remember D Forever says, Oh my gosh, just... I'm in shock. I'm in total horrible shock. I do not approve of this ending. I love the book. I cried reading it. But seven years of my life cannot end this way. How terribly unsatisfying... I think I'd rather Harry had died. (gasps) What have I said?
0: I think that's the only comment we need to read. That one is amazing. That one's so good. (laughs) Mango, well, I have been with the Harry Potter books since I was in elementary, and I can actually say I'm crying over the fact that I now have to let them go. I hate endings. Now I no longer have anything to enjoy. Oh God, this is really sad. (laughs) It would always be that I can enjoy a new book every few years and enjoy trying to solve the mysteries and the space in between. But now, I have nothing. I cried so many times during the book, dot 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 dot, dot, dot. Fred was one of my favorite characters. So I guess now, we have to say goodbye. Especially seeing as how I started reading the series in elementary... And the last book comes out after I graduated high school. It's almost like saying goodbye to my childhood. I wish the story would never end.
3: Wow. I think Jamie wrote that comment, actually. <laughs> uh, so. This is from Sylvester too. They say, I totally wasn't expecting the continuous barrage of anti-Dumbledore sentiment throughout the book. Think she'll ever write again? Not necessarily about Harry, but any fiction, she's just too talented a writer to stop. It's like John Williams stopping after writing the score for Jaws, or Beethoven stopping at Symphony Seven. <laughs> <laughs> I am glad we did get more writing. These are hilarious. Oh my God. These are very good. This is page one out of page like eight of comments. There's <laughs> wow. 800 comments on that post.
1: Landin 91 says, Hmm. I'm only on the 107th page because Saturday morning when I got home, my dad wouldn't let me read. And because I think I have ADHD, so my concentration drifts off, you something shiny.
0: <laughs> 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 what? And dad,
2: come on. Yeah, come on, let dad. Let Landed
3: 91 read, dang. Real jerk move, dad. <laughs>
2: yeah, dad didn't understand that this was a once-in-a-lifetime phenomenon. Okay, next one comes from Lovish, have completed the book reading, but I must say I am a little disappointed. First, JK Rowling has not told us what happened to Dudley. Then she has not told us what happened to Sirius after going in the veil. And then what was behind that veil? And the most important thing I was looking forward to was how the hell are some people becoming ghosts and some don't. She has not given many answers. If anybody has answers to these or just want to contact me, please contact me at L star, 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 star at I, yahoo.com.
3: <laughs> okay, that was a great dramatic reading. <laughs> I I did cut out. They actually put their email address in. It's findable.
2: Okay. So
3: <laughs> If anybody wants to go to the Wayback Machine, you can email that person. <laughs> okay, those were I, I need to check in on some of these people. Like, Mango
0: Wow, that was really... But, I mean, look, that's how we all were feeling. It was the end of an era. That's why there were tears at the party. A little champagne helped as well. It was an emotional time for sure. And now let's move on to some emails. These all came in on July 21st or 22nd, 2007. We still have our Gmail account that we launched, I think, with the show back in 2005. Y'all, we've got email, like we have the entire history there. Sometimes out of curiosity, I'll be like, was this person a listener? And I'll go and Google, I'll put their name into the Gmail search field in our (laughs) MuggleCast email and I'll find people. It's pretty funny. doing background checks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So this first email came from Zoomer, 14 years old. Subject, Lily's Eyes. What importance did Lily's eyes have and who was the character who displayed magic later in life? So we we already know the answer to Lily's eyes. But that was actually a question that came up several times when we were um, after everybody finished the book. I guess people sort of just missed in you know, all the chaos of Snape's worst memory. He, people just sort of forgot. I don't know.
3: But then this other question, the character who displayed magic later in life. J.K. Rowling back in 1999. Had said, there is a character who does manage in desperate circumstances to do magic quite late in life. Now, I didn't realize, but again, going through these comments, a lot of people were actually banking on that showing up in book seven. That was like one of the ones that she hadn't said no to prior to book sevens. So we were all expecting it to have big, big, big implications. It wouldn't be until later that month, the end of July, when Rowling appeared on Pottercast when they directly ask her about this. Here's the quote there. You promised that someone will do magic late in life in book seven. I've now read it three times, but can't work out who it might have been. Please help. J.K. Rowling replies, I'm sorry about this, but I changed my mind. My very earliest plan for the story involved somebody managing to get to Hogwarts when they had never done magic before, but I had changed my mind by the time I'd written the third book.
0: Hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, it's nice that she did confirm that that was in the works. Like maybe we all just sort of misremembered. I had forgotten <laughs> like I was, that
3: theory. You know, this, this person calling out Jake, you're going, you
0: promised <laughs> you, you promised.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I but was counting nice. on that.
3: It's nice to get that answer from, you know, in the follow up to. Yeah. After the book was released.
2: Well, yeah. Jacob got to go to Hogwarts later, so.
3: There well. we go, <laughs> sort of. And the Hogwarts video game that's coming out is about a late-blooming student. Yeah, so. that better still be coming out this
0: year. I They got me excited about that, I must mm-hmm. admit. Micah, do you want to read this email? We're going to pat ourselves on the back for a moment. Somebody was congratulating us on our oh, predictions.
1: I love those emails. <laughs> yeah. This one's from Andrew B., 14 of Tampa. And he says, I have to congratulate you guys on a job well done in terms of predictions. The main ones I think of are your predictions on the identity of RAB and the location of the locket. Also, Harry did have to die. I was very surprised, to be honest, that Dumbledore intended to allow Harry to die. Also, you guys were correct in thinking that Snape was really working for the good side. One thing that I absolutely must point out is that I think Laura should admit she was absolutely 100% wrong about the location of the final battle. All in all, I was really impressed by the book, and I'm sure you guys were too. I have to say, though, Joe really didn't explain a lot of things she promised she would, like how ghosts come to be, et cetera, and any, are there any other things you can think of? Yeah, Andrew, I don't think you can say that she didn't explain a lot of things she promised she would and then only give one example.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think we were all wrong about the location of the final battle. I'm yeah, willing for, to bet. For it reasons wasn't we just all Laura. cover
3: pretty well. No, no, no. Yeah, that was all of us.
2: Yeah, but I will say here, I distinctly remember pre-book seven on an episode saying, I'm going to be so mad if the final battle takes place at Hogwarts, because that would be so lame. (laughs) And then that's what happened. And talk about it
3: on one-on-one too, but I agree. but, But isn't it because book six ends with a huge battle at Hogwarts? Yeah. Like it would have felt repetitive.
1: Yeah. But where would you go? Where? What's the alternative? They have already kind of done the ministry. Where could you go for the final battle?
2: I thought that the Department of Mysteries was going to play some kind of role, but that through that we were actually going to learn something about the Department of Mysteries and the veil and like how the love room works, but we didn't get any of that.
1: It also helps to explain why there's so many character deaths too because it is at Hogwarts.
2: Oh, That's yeah. true. I've made peace with it, but Pre-book seven, I was like, this would be so stupid.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Laura, do you want to take the next email from Catherine?
2: Sure. This one comes from Catherine, 14 of Virginia. Subject line is spoiler. Catherine says, I'm still reading the seventh book, but got online for a few minutes. I'm on page 500. I got on MuggleNet knowing there would be no spoilers, and I saw you guys had some camera things set up where I could watch you all read. I thought it would be cool, especially since it said no spoilers. I went to the site, and while it was loading, I scrolled down a little bit. There is a chat box on the page. People were talking about (laughs) Deadly Hallows. I haven't even finished the book, and now I know that (laughs) here. He lives and has a kid. <laughs> My book is basically spoiled. I trusted you all not to spoil the book for me, and now it is ruined. I I'm feel, sure it might have spoiled it for other people too.
0: I feel for Catherine. However, that was not our fault. That was the chat room who was spoiling you. It seems you. Can- <laughs> It is dangerous to go into a chat room or a live stream and expect not to be spoiled after the release of a major book or movie. Just forget about it. But Catherine was only 14. We were all young. We were all just learning how to avoid spoilers on the internet.
2: Yeah, I think people have a better sense of that now and understand that if you don't want to be spoiled, you need to stay away from the internet until you're done.
3: Yep. The next one comes from Danica, age 13 from California. You say, oh, wow. What an epic book. Deathly Hallows provided such a sense of closure on the life of Harry, and it was by far my favorite novel in the series. While I thought all of the deaths besides Voldemort's and Bellatrix's were unnecessary, I think that the book was dark from the start and showed the danger of the situation that Harry was in. No longer so whimsical and carefree, the trio had to endure much more in this one year than in their past six. One thing I loved about this installment is that we saw such a wide expanse of the wizarding world, and we learned so much about characters we thought we knew, from seeing Gringotts to the Malfoy Manor to the talking Patronuses and the lives of Lily, Snape, and especially Dumbledore. J.K. Rowling gave us so many reasons to love the book. As I finished, I realized that was it. Whether or not we see more of Joe, I don't think that we'll be seeing more of Harry. As sad as I am to see this end of an era, I'm glad J.K.R. ended it with such style. I've loved MuggleCast and your companionship. Hope to see you Pickle Pack open again. Stay pickly, (laughs) Dan. Well, here we are. The new Patreon for MuggleCast from 2016 onward is our our new Pickle Pack. And you did
2: get to see Harry again. (laughs) You did.
0: Not in the way we all expected, but you did. This is from Laura, 15 of Flagstaff, one of my favorite towns out in the Southwest near the Grand Canyon. Laura says, after a full day, give or take a few hours of locking myself in my bedroom, sending myself into a shelter of blankets, Cheetos, and stolen sodas, and clutching a brand new copy of Deathly Hallows in trembling fingers. What a very colorful writer Laura is at the age of 15. I've determined that my love for Harry Potter that I never thought could grow skyrocketed. This book was a masterful collection of genius. I expected so much from this book, but I was shocked at the limits it stretched amazingly unique thrilling and gripping till the end a book that made you stop and dab your eyes or perhaps catch your breath from laughing a few times when humor was desperately needed spectacular the entire book and series what an ending eh i love that what a
2: beautiful yeah, email, so colorful
1: it's so good i love that laura should have given uh, catherine some tips on how to uh read the book <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow how to
0: avoid spoilers with stolen sodas and Cheetos.
1: (laughs) All right. This next email comes from Stephanie, 18 of Virginia. And she says, hey guys, just listened to episode 101 and I can't help but feel like you were all slightly disappointed with the book. Personally, I loved it. Yes, the tent thing did get a bit old. However, it's not exactly like they didn't do anything. They went to the ministry, Godric's Hollow, the Love Goods, Malfoy Manor, and of course, Gringotts. You all also mentioned that you did not feel as impacted by the deaths as in the other books. Hello, Dobby. I must say that Dobby's death got me even more than Sirius and Dumbledore combined. Topics that I think us fans need to seriously look into include Creature, Ron seeming to be much more powerful than ever before, the political symbolism, Snape, of course, the importance of wands, moments that were mirror images of book one, and Voldemort's weakness at blocking Harry from his mind. Let's not forget my personal favorite, the irony of Harry using the Expelliarmus spell to defeat Voldemort. It still makes me chuckle. Looks like we will have plenty to talk about in the months slash years. I'm adding that in uh, to come. Keep up the great (laughs) work, guys. P.S. Yeah, my only regret was the veil. That was a bummer. Mm -hmm. So uh, thanks, Stephanie. There's a lot of uh, episode topics here that you gave us. Potentially moving forward.
0: Oh,
2: yeah. Yep. All right. Next one comes from David, uh, age 19, of Maryland who says is writing in about Potter watch. And David says, Hey, guys, so I stayed up all night reading Deathly Hallows. And at around four in the morning got to the part where Ron returns and tells them about the radio show. And I was just wondering if any of you reacted the same way I did because all I could think of was Mugglecast. Unfortunately, Joe had to ruin the fun by calling it Potter watch. But still, I couldn't help but notice the similarities. If you guys are interested in using the code, Names from the book, then I think Andrew should be River, Ben Romulus, <laughs> Jamie Royal, because he's from Britain, and Laura Rapier. <laughs> I don't think any of you would want to be Rodent, which is the name that they tried to give Fred on the show.
0: Well, I see David didn't include Eric. So, Eric, I guess yeah. you're going to be a Rodent. Okay. <laughs> or, or me. All right.
3: Yeah. <laughs> but- or Micah.
0: I thought, oh, yeah. But I thought this email was fun to include because we were pretty convinced at the time that Potter Watch was a nod to the Harry Potter podcast. Looking back now, I'm not as convinced.
2: No, I don't (laughs) think so. It was funny because I remember getting home from London and my mom had read the book and she was like, Do you think that that was a nod to the podcast? And at the time I was like, Yeah, like I kind of think so. But now.
5: Well,
3: it's like, uh, what is it? Professor Binns or Slughorn calling Ron Rupert. Do you think that yeah. ever would have happened in the books if the movies weren't being made at the same time and if Rupert hadn't been Ron? So it's kind of one of those things where I think because the podcasts I'm not saying it's not to us specifically, but again, the fact that podcasts were out there and were just coming to and book seven had kind of like a late night radio show type thing aspect to it. I don't say it's outside the realm of possibility, but of course radio, radio shows and especially wartime radio were huge in Britain in the forties. So we can't claim to have invented (laughs) anything to do with that, but it felt calling it Potter watch felt a lot like it was like Potter cast Potter or muggle cast.
1: The funny thing about that one though, is that why would you use code names, but then call it Potter watch.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe that's, that's, maybe that is a nod to Potter Podcast then. I think at the least in the back of her head, Rowling knew that Mugglecast, Pottercast, other podcasts did exist about Harry Potter. So maybe the reference wasn't totally planned, but that thought was lingering in the back of her head. And it ever so slightly influenced the idea of including Potter watch. This is from Jesse. Final email, 13 from Chicago. Subject, so many parallels. Hey, guys and Laura. While reading Deathly Hallows, I noticed many, many parallels between this book and the first. There was the start and end of Hedwig and Harry's relationship, as well as with the Dursleys. In the first book, with the devil's snare, Hermione needs to start a fire, but she panicked because she didn't have any wood, so Ron yelled, are you a witch or aren't you? Then in Deathly Hallows, when the trio was trying to get into the shrieking shack, Ron needed to hit the spot, but he panicked because Crookshanks wasn't there, and Hermione yelled, are you a wizard or aren't you? I could not ignore this parallel. It made me laugh. I was wondering if you agree with these parallels and have noticed any more. I'll see you guys at the Chicago show. Jesse.
1: I think we need to- That's uh, a great one. Yeah, because Stephanie mentioned this also in her email. I think that we need to figure out what the episodes were where we connected the threads between Sorcerer's Stone and, and Deathly Hallows. We obviously did it for all the other books too. It's interesting that two people would mention the similarities between the two books, and then we would end up doing episodes on that.
0: It was episode 427, released three years ago this month. Wow. Connecting Swisher's Stone to Deathly Hallows is the name of the episode.
1: And I want to say, too, when we did chapter by chapter, I think we actually had a segment called Connecting the Threads where we would take specific things from the individual chapters and tie them in.
7: All
0: right. Well, let's pop back out of 2007 and come back here to 2022. Happy 15th birthday to Deathly Hallows. It was fun looking back. Next week. What If, Deathly Hallows Edition. We're going to be asking questions. What if things went different directions with Uh, the final book? And we'll be speculating, theorizing, all that. It's going to be really fun. Maybe partly inspired by that Marvel What If series that's on Disney+. Plus. So stay tuned for that. And then the week after that, by the way, we will have The Secrets of Dumbledore screenplay. It finally will be out. And we'll go through that, see if there's anything else we can gleam about the third, maybe final. Fantastic Beast movie.
3: That's a great call. I'm looking forward to that because they're actually advertising the additional content uh, as opposed to previous script iterations, which were very bare bones.
0: Right. Yeah. If you have any feedback about today's discussion, you can send an owl to mugglecast at gmail.com or use the contact form on mugglecast.com to send a voice message, record it using the voice memo app on your phone and then email us that file. Or use our phone number one nine two zero three Muggle. That's
3: 1-920-368-4453. It's time for Quizage. Last week's Quizage question: In Deathly Hallows, during the camping scenes, after complaining about their meal to Harry and Hermione and saying his mom can conjure food from thin air, what does Ron summon for dinner? Guys, I screwed up. Uh, I was I was reading the book too quickly. I thought that Ron summoned Salmon. It was actually Dean because they run into the Potter Watchers. So, however, the people submitting to Quizich didn't miss a thing. A lot of people suggested nothing was the correct answer. So nothing, he, Ron does not summon anything except for Godalus who says he summoned a bad attitude. So <laughs> congratulations to everybody. Sorry, I'll be more careful next week. And here's next week's question. Who witnessed Dumbledore using the Sword of Gryffindor to destroy the Gaunt Ring? This question does have an answer. Submit <laughs> submit your answer to us on the Quizzitch form found on the MuggleCast website, MuggleCast.com slash Quizzitch, or choose Quizzitch from the nav bar. Does Fox count or no? If Fox was there and you can prove it, then maybe. <laughs> Damn.
0: Make sure you're following the show for free in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode and please leave us a review and we really appreciate when everybody does leave reviews. And uh don't forget to follow us on social media. We are Mugglecast on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. And one more reminder for our Patreon, patreon.com/mugglecast. Sign up by August 7th and pledge at the $10 level to receive the Mugglecast wand, sign up at the $5 level to receive the Mugglecast collector's club and and you'll be in that for the next five years, assuming you remain a patron and you'll receive lots of new original MuggleCast inspired stickers that are in the works. And we're really excited about all of them. Patreon.com MuggleCast. The physical benefits are just the beginning. There's so many other cool benefits there as well. Thanks, everybody, for listening and for your support, no matter how you support us. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. And I'm Laura. Bye,
2: everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.